0: Procrastinating, a term most often used by the millennial generation, is a method of putting something off, delaying, or postponing something by taking part in the act of baking. to ProcrastiBaking, a place to talk about our baking obsessions and avoid doing everything else. Coming to you from Southern California, I'm Louisa. And from Eastern North Carolina, I'm Rachel. Hello, Rachel. (laughs) Hello, Louisa. (laughs) How are you this week? I'm doing okay. You know, I probably sound a little stuffy. I can't really tell if I'll sound stuffy, but I have allergies, not the coronavirus as far as I can tell. Just been adjusting to the change in seasons and sniffling a lot, but I have no coronavirus symptoms, full disclosure, I just want to be honest. <laughs> Not that I'm gonna infect you over over the phone, but just in case anybody is wondering. Yes, um, it is definitely at that time of year. My car is covered in pollen. Yeah, it's a tough time. And I get like really bad allergies every year. Do you too? I didn't until we moved to North Carolina. And then last year was my first spring here and I thought I was going to die. Interesting. So not even when you lived in Hartsville. I had been in the spring, but not not really bad. Okay. Something special about North Carolina. (laughs) Yes. And this area too is supposed to be really bad. I've read, I forget what I read exactly, but something about like Eastern, the Southeast United States is particularly bad for allergies. And then North Carolina is like the hotspot of that zone. Oh God. Lucky you right? (laughs) (laughs) So apparently, I should have done a little more research before we moved here. This reminds me, this is a random story. But when we were in Puerto Rico in December for Christmas, we were noticing that Raul, we were driving around and like, you know, visiting different people. Emmy went to his grandmother's house. And for some reason, like Raul didn't have any issues with allergies like any other time we were exploring the island but when we got to like his grandmother's neighborhood specifically like her little block where she lived um (laughs) he would get like really bad like really bad allergies his eyes were like really watery and he like could barely breathe and it was like really bad and we were like this is so rare but it was only in that neighborhood and he was like i used to think i would just you know get bad allergies in general when i would go to puerto rico but now i think it's like something specific about that neighborhood it's like the weirdest <laughs> <is> thing bizarre
1: <laughs> so maybe
0: there's like a freak um, or something that's like setting him off maybe but it's it would be just specific to that area which is bizarre do you know what I mean like I don't know it's very odd so just a fun story about what a weirdo Raul was <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah so tell me what you are procrastinating for lately. So things have been really crazy at work. Um, For those of you who are listening, you're listening about two months after we record. So right now we're kind of the beginning of the coronavirus scare. So hopefully by the time you listen to this, it's over and everything is back to normal. But um, I work at a nonprofit. So we are really amping up, helping do different things for the school system. And I manage our social media. And one of our focuses is making sure we're sending out good, valid information not contributing to panic but kind of helping people sort out what information is out there so that's keeping me very busy at work so when I come home like I don't even want to get on Facebook or anything because I've been on it all day long already yeah like so overload of information yep something to like just let my mind kind of wander off into baking them <laughs> and not Good. focus on anything else but you know what like what you're doing is so important I think and that's like what people need is access to community resources and it, I'm sure it's like very stressful but it maybe it also feels good to an extent because you know you're contributing in a really helpful and meaningful way and like you mentioned making sure that the information is very just factual because I think that's what's hard right now is that you get a you get bombarded and you it's hard to figure out what is based in science and truth and what what is intended to be like dramatic and to incite panic and so That's good. I mean, it's a really important thing for people to have right now. It does feel good to help. And you're right. We reached out to our hospital and said, you know, what can we do to show the staff that they're appreciated? They're working longer hours than normal, even though they normally work long hours. Um, What can we do to just... Keep sending out that messaging to stay home, to, to self quarantine, to social distance. That way, it limits what we end up having to face. Um, that way, right. they didn't. I mean, they didn't want flowers or cards? They just wanted us to kind of help push that <laughs> message out to kind of make their yes. jobs easier in the long run. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's not necessarily material things that are going to help them at this point. I feel like you're right. What's going to help the most is having people actually follow the recommendations and make an effort to not spread things and just keep people healthy in general. That's good. Yes. So um, that's what I've been up to. What about you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this quarantine. <laughs> it's it's something. Um, the upside is that it does leave a lot of room for baking, which is, it's good. I mean, this is an important time to kind of have these hobbies for self-care. I mean, the downside is that I can't take the baked goods anywhere, because obviously, you know, the schools here are shut down. And we're supposed to go back the 31st. But I have a feeling we are not just from hearing what's happening in other places. So I think this will be working from home throughout the rest of the school year. And so, yeah, so I have no place to take things to. So I'm like, and you can't really give it to friends, you know, because you want to be cautious about food preparation and you know, I understand, like, I probably wouldn't want to accept things that have been made by other people without knowing if, you know, the precautions have been taken. So they're just sitting yeah. in my home and I, like, eat them mindlessly, which is not great. But, you know, yeah. I got to figure out a way to control <laughs> my mindless eating. Maybe and also, because I would think once this yeah. passes, if you never have gotten sick, it would be safe to consume that's later take out for a party or something i mean i'm not i'm not by no means an expert but that's the way i would see it that's true yeah the the two things that i made for this week's episode well i don't know one of them i think i should have frozen the dough but the other one i don't think i could have done but for the future i definitely will try to keep that in mind like maybe preparing half the amount and then freezing the rest if it's like dough or something or yeah i gotta figure something out because i can't like every time i walk by the plate i like eat one of whatever I may <laughs> yes, I have me. that problem if It's sitting on the <laughs> counter I can't walk my you know, it's hard, so yeah, so you know, just trying to keep myself busy and you know calm and I will miss some um, aspects of going into into my schools, you know, I'm thinking about my students and i I do counseling with a lot of them and just hoping that they're doing okay, and I think the next few weeks would we'll just be trying to figure out how we can continue to be supportive even though we're not physically around our students so be a lot of problem solving and discussion about that and then I don't know if this is we might talk about this a little later because it's even affected our discussion for this episode but finding ingredients has been trickier now and so it kind of changes what we can even make I think oh definitely and so for us out here like flour was impossible flour and eggs I would say were like impossible to find And then we got lucky and found some flour just the other day. And then my mom is sending me a little care package with flour and I think other essentials. Yeah. She's so sweet. She's very panicked about this. And so she wants me to be as prepared. (laughs) as possible so she sent me she said she was like shopping in her own pantry just going through things and she's like we can spare one of these and so she has and your mom, mom is thing. very prepared normally yeah. so I'm sure she has like doubles of things she can send you oh yeah it's like a mom I feel like a lot of moms are on top of this like my mother-in-law has loads of stuff how is your mom is she like she already had things kind of piled away no because they've been doing a lot of like eating out prior to Mm. this Um, and my dad is more the cook so I wouldn't think so although they do have now a second freezer so they probably were good on things like meat and frozen vegetables okay well that's good yeah I feel like good job parents I used to think it was ridiculous to have so much food and supplies and now I'm realizing I was incorrect (laughs) comes in handy so yeah so you know other than that just trying to find things to do to stay occupied but yeah a great time for us for baking for opportunities to try new recipes good time for that (laughs) yeah you said opportunities I've noticed a lot of that that's some of the good I think that's coming out of this people are being really creative about keeping their kids educated and entertained yes and finding ways to connect with you know their relatives in nursing homes or whatever I've seen a little boy playing tic-tac-toe with through the window with his grandparents oh I've seen people going out and doing the big massive bubble things for the senior citizens so they can watch while they're safely inside. So people are being really creative and finding new opportunities. So we there is a lot of good to and um, I think sometimes it helps to kind of focus on that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of like beauty in seeing how we can make connections in a new way, I think. And the upside is also, you know, now we have more time to catch up with friends and you know relationships that maybe were neglected because we get so busy with work and other things so that's been something that we've been trying to do as well just making time to call family members and old friends and make time to kind of rekindle some of these relationships that were put to the side yeah that's really important yeah One of the things we were sharing at work is loneliness is just as dangerous as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. There was a study done, I think, a few years ago, and that was one of the the results they came up with. So this was encouraging people that during this time, you know, when people are trying to be distant, you know, you can still FaceTime. Um, You can still email someone or text them. And to do that even more now, because they might be feeling lonelier than you realize. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a really difficult time, I think, for people who suffer from depression or in general rely on that social contact to kind of keep going. And so, yeah, that's an important point to make time to reach out to people that you haven't heard from in a while. And also like encouraging people to remember they can walk outside. That's been like, a, I don't know about you, but that's been like a <laughs> contentious issue when I speak to our family members. Like my mom in particular, was you know, coming from a good place, but very, very worried about me, um, like going hiking and things. And I had to keep reminding them, you know, all the guidance has been saying that it's okay to do outside activity, as long as you maintain social distance from other people. And so it doesn't mean you're stuck inside completely, like, you know, people have pets and small children, and they need exercise. So, you know, like, I went hiking the other day, and the weather here is good, at least we've been really lucky. And so making taking longer walks with the dogs and doing things outside, you know, as long as you are reasonable with keeping your space from other people. So it doesn't mean yeah, you're stuck been... inside. We've been trying to do that too. Taking the dog for walks, working. We put in a garden and planted some trees and awesome. um, I'm still working. So, but when I get home, Mike and I go outside and do something usually almost every day. That's awesome. And that's gardening is also like a great hobby to have right now and having the space in the yard to do that. That's, I bet that feels really relaxing and you feel productive too, because it's kind of, you're going to see results from it. So. That's right. I feel productive. I'm getting exercise, fresh air, and it gives me something else to think about while I'm working on it. A bunch of benefits. That's great. Okay. So why don't we do another round of our pop quiz? Yes. It's one of my favorite things. I know you really, are, but I'm always sometimes, not always, but well, usually one question at least, a little surprised by something that you give as an answer. Ooh, that's exciting. I think it's fun. We continue yeah. to learn about each other. Okay, I'm going to go first. I will ask you these questions. Okay. Okay. So let's see. What is your favorite fruit to bake with? Ooh, I don't bake with a lot of fruit, but probably apples. And I feel like that's really basic, but that's probably why. (laughs) Apples slash pears, because I feel like they kind of bake similarly. I made a really delicious pear ricotta cake that was really good. Um, But when I I was making it, I pick it with apples. So I think either one of those two, they just feel kind of classic and nostalgic with the cinnamon spice mix that usually goes in there. Yeah. I think that's why I like it. No, that's great. I love, it's not a baked good, but I like that pear parfait you make. I know I always talk about it, but it's... <laughs> so um, Raul like good. really re- wants to request it like every time he sees you. Let's see. Okay, so we have these challenges, these roll the dice challenges. And sometimes the requirements for what can be made are pretty general and loose. And so how in these situations, how do you decide what you want to make for the challenge? That's a good question. So sometimes I just look around my cookbooks. Um I use eatyourbooks.com a lot it allows you to put in your cookbooks and then I can type in like chicken and all the chicken recipes in my cookbooks come up. Oh, um, So I use that as kind of brainstorming. And I, one thing I'm trying to work on is using my cookbooks more because mm-hmm. it's become so easy to just like go to Pinterest or just even Google and type in peach dessert. And then, you know, Buzzfeed pops up with 50 peach desserts that are the best and it's so easy, but I'm trying to use that a lot more and use my cookbooks. Um, I get a couple magazines that I, keep so I have a binder where i have torn out so I look through that a lot of times I end up kind of mashing two things together which doesn't always work out (laughs) so something I'm trying to do is just pick one of them but yeah just kind of looking at different things I'm really visual I think when it comes to like looking at something like ooh, I want to eat that or make that yeah so that's why I like the books I can flip through and look at the pictures that's a great um, resource eat your cookbook that's a really cool thing yeah, eat, I think it's eatyourbooks.com. Eat your books. And they do have like a premium version where you can add more books. Like the free version, you can only add like a certain amount. So if you okay. pay it per year fee, you can add, add more books. That's really cool. We should add the link to that on our show notes. Really yes, we should definitely get that up. It's a, it's a great resource. And they put out, they have contests. I've won a few contests where they uh, review a book and then give it away. So I've gotten a couple of QuickBooks through that as well. So it's it's a good resource. Cool. Okay, what is, do you have a favorite baking tradition? I do. I think I mentioned this, I'm not sure what episode, but in one of them, I talk about making the cookie boxes for friends and neighbors. And that's really the only, I think, thing I do consistently as far as baking. When we lived in the school, I used to do it also, but when the kids went home for the year, I'd send them home with a bag of treats. But I think making the Christmas boxes is really the most consistent tradition I do. And I love it. What do you want to improve on as a baker? I think we've also sort of touched upon this in previous episodes. Yeah, I want to work more on technique type things mm-hmm. and presentation. I can make something taste really good, but it's not going to look really good. <laughs> and that doesn't change the way it tastes, but I think baking has the advantage. It can it can please both your tongue and your eyes. So I would like to work a little bit more on making things look more presentable and working on the the technique of things yes that's something I want to work on as well do you have a favorite baking book I think right now I really like I'm sitting actually sitting next to my bookcase and I know who wrote it but I can't think of the name of the book oh never mind the name is what I thought it was um Brave Tart Ah, by Stella Parks she focuses on um the spine of the book says Iconic American Desserts so it's got like make your own Oreos different I think it's got like a graham cracker recipe for homemade s'mores so those like nostalgic childhood desserts taking them and making like real food versions of them That's awesome Yeah I've heard really good things about brave tart I think primarily from you cuz I know you've been a fan for a while Yeah I haven't made too much out of it but the things I have made turned out pretty good Let's see Why don't we do this one? What is your favorite kitchen tool? Probably my KitchenAid mixer. I like that I can turn it on and walk away and keep (laughs) doing something else, Um, especially because I told you this in the last episode. I don't always follow that first step, like line your pans, grease your pans, that kind of thing. So normally I turn it on and then go back and do that thing because most of the time a recipe will give you like minutes you know mix for two to five minutes or something so i know i can turn it on and then just come back in a couple minutes and go to the next step okay yeah i know i i love my KitchenAid mixer too it's like what would i what was life before i had it i don't know i like rely on it so much now um, yes me too Yeah. okay and then lastly tell me do you have a baking show that you really enjoy watching i love watching the great british bake off It's changed a little bit here the last couple of seasons with new hosts and half of the judging team being new. But I love that it really highlights the bakers and what they're making Mm -hmm. and not as much of the competition drama like our shows do here. Yeah, I've also heard, um, I haven't really watched too much of the show, but I've heard that the contestants are pretty like supportive and friendly. And so it's got a different sort of vibe than maybe some other baking shows have, like people are more cordial. Yeah. Yeah. If they And if they finish early by some miracle, they like hop over to the person who's panicking and freaking out and trying to get them sorted out. That's really sweet. I've heard really good things about that show. Cool. Well, thank you for answering all of my questions. <laughs> You're welcome because it's about to be your turn. Ta-da! Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> so what is your favorite fruit to bake with? Hmm. What is my favorite fruit to bake with? I really like using strawberries, and I would think apple would be my my second. It's a close second. I don't know what it is about strawberries. It's just – it's like a fruit that I crave a lot, I think, and – They are delicious. Yeah, and they're – you know, you can do different things. I like to do, like, a strawberry cake. That's something I find myself craving a lot with, like, fresh strawberries blended into the batter, and then making, like, glazes with strawberries in them. Oh, so good, so – I would probably say that's my favorite. That does sound really good. You've got me thinking about strawberries. <laughs> It'll be time soon. Summertime. Yes. I'm ready for it. Me mm-hmm. too. So if we have a challenge like roll the dice where the requirements are general, how do you decide what to make? Oh, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I generally will focus on like the form first, I think. So that's where most of like my thinking sort of goes. is just once I know the form, go from there. And then I will try to do um, something that I haven't done before. So I try to use those challenges as a way to sort of push me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, Yeah. they're really good for that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Do you have a favorite baking tradition? I would say, I mean, this is kind of generic because I think everybody sort of does this, but I always I'm in charge of the Christmas cookie baking when we go home for the holidays and so I am the leader for that I get all the (laughs) I get everything ready and I gather the troops and it's funny because I usually try to get my brother involved and he will do oh goodness (laughs) oh my god he'll he'll like you know frost one cookie and then he's peaced out he's like sitting on the couch doing whatever whatever he does <laughs> or he's gone <laughs> yeah he just disappeared well yeah you know him we tried making stuff with him before and he's like there one minute and then gone the next so really it's usually just me and my mom in the kitchen frosting the rest of them my dad like never frosts anything he'll come by and eat one and then leave so <laughs> but it is we like quality control <laughs> It is nostalgic, though. Like, we do it every year. And when we went to Honduras one year, I taught my cousins how to make the cookies. And then, you know, on the years that we spend Christmas with my in-laws, my mother-in-law, make sure that I get a chance to make them. So it's it's been able to be something that we keep pretty consistent every year. Yeah, and you saying that about teaching your cousins just reminded me that when Alice was here, she was my student that I taught. When we taught in South Korea, she came for a visit this fall. I got to teach her to bake. Christmas cookies because ovens aren't very widespread over there. So she mm-hmm. hadn't yet had that Christmas baking experience. So I agree. It was really fun to be able to introduce that to her. Yeah, that's really sweet. So Lou, what do you want to improve on as a baker? Um, I think similar to you, the, the technique. I think my presentation has gotten a lot better. I really want to work on piping and frosting. That's been really fun to experiment with. Yes. Yeah. And so just getting more practice with that, making things look nicer. And also just learning, having like my staples. So we've talked about the perfect pie crust, having things that are like my go-to recipes. I like to try out, for example, different chocolate chip recipes. So I want to pick my one that's like my go-to when I need to make that. I think right now the only thing that I make the same way every time is when I'm asked to make flan. And so Mm. I learned that recipe from... My mother-in-law, she makes a really good cream cheese flam. And so that one is like the same every time. That's like my that's one that I get requested a lot to to make. So that's, you know, the same recipe every time. But I would like to kind of have like my staple go to recipes for more things. And also, I think I mentioned this before, but get a little out of my comfort zone with exploring with different flavors because I tend to keep it pretty safe. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I want to have that kind of recipe book of staples. But I was surprised to hear you say about the presentation, because I feel like your desserts could have popped out of Martha Stewart magazine. <laughs> You're so sweet. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel really proud of what comes out of it. But I'm really hard on myself, too. I mean, I think, in general, a lot of bakers are, you know, and Raul is always so sweet. He'll tell me that it looks beautiful. And I'm like, I don't know, it's lopsided or it's, you know, (laughs) the technique with the piping of the frosting is not perfect. I should have used a different tip. And so maybe it's just feeling more confident with what I'm presenting because I usually am able to find like a flaw and I get a little fixated on that. So maybe it's not so much like perfecting the technique. It's just also being (laughs) kind of okay with it and just, you know, (laughs) being a little bit more forgiving to myself because I tend to be, I tend to be pretty hard on myself in that way. Yeah, I think that's pretty natural. Yeah. Do you have a current favorite baking book? You know what? I I really don't. I actually don't even have many baking books because I like you mentioned tend to go more with internet recipes, but I do mm-hmm. I do also want to sort of shift because for one, I think considering that the bake a baking book is written by someone who is usually like trained in some way or has like a lot of verified experience versus sometimes you find an internet recipe from someone who like me yeah (laughs) well it's hard because I don't want (laughs) to say like a novice baker because sometimes those recipes are incredible and it's it's people like us who are more like self-taught and learn from trial and error and those I've had like amazing recipes that I found off the internet so but you know I think a cookbook just provides that extra reassurance that it's someone who has really tried these recipes several times and has, you know, troubleshooted a lot of them. And so it would be nice to kind of develop my little library of baking cookbooks that I can go to. Yeah, that's a good point about the um, internet recipes. And I think we've talked about it before, how we try to read the reviews if if the site has that capability right. to, to kind of boost our confidence in what we're about to yeah, make. Absolutely. Okay. Do you have a favorite baking show? That's another one that I actually don't really have that I've really enjoyed, but I haven't really gotten into binge watching any of these baking shows. For a while, I watched that show. I think it was on Netflix called Nailed It, which was, oh yeah, you know, people who messed up baking projects. And that was, I watched like two episodes and then I was totally over it. It was just too, for me, it was just too overly dramatic and loud and not soothing. And, you know, people are making errors and it's stressful. and it was funny, but. Yeah, and, they're, and they set it up, I feel like. Yes. I feel like the challenges mm-hmm. that give them are way too unrealistic. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I have a favorite, but I would like to watch more great British Bake off because that feels more like something I would be into. Yeah, I think you would you would like it. But speaking of nailed it, I think that's the show that I auditioned for. I think so. I did like a video interview, and the way they described it, like they didn't have a title at that point, but the way they described it is that show. And once I saw it, I was like, I'm so glad I did not make that. (laughs) Yeah, my nerve could not handle that because I feel like it's more of like a the audience at home is kind of laughing. At uh, what's going on, it's not like a supportive cheering for a certain person to make it because you know they're probably all going to Right, and my nerves. I don't think they're no. going to <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did not find your TV career through that show. <laughs> Thank you. And last question, what is your favorite kitchen tool? I mean, I love my KitchenAid mixer, like I've mentioned. I also really like my... I don't use it that often, but when I do use it, I get such a rush. My torch, Oh, you know, like I get – That's a good one. Yeah, it's like something about fire. I don't know. I think I'm a bit of – um. what's the word for people? A pirate. A pirate. Yeah, I am a little bit. <laughs> it's just like you feel so powerful when you have the flame torch. And it's just <laughs> like I feel like I'm on top of the world. And the presentation-wise, like remember when we made that baked Alaska – it just looked yes. beautiful. I just love the way it looks. It Yeah, I feel like it's really easy to make it look professionally. Yes. Done. So, yeah, I like anytime like That's a good one. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, part. you know, because we don't really use it that often. It's for various, you know, creme brulee or, yeah, the baked Alaska. It's, you use it. We'll have to make a series. We'll have to do a kitchen torch. Yes, thing. that would be a good one. Yeah. So, fire. In summary, fire makes me feel powerful. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Uh, okay great well i love these segments yeah i i, I think we definitely get some good <laughs> material and some good laughs out of them. i'm just picturing you standing there with your hand raised and a kitchen torch like starting a revolution of some sort yes that is how powerful i feel in those moments so that question actually sets the stage perfectly Just like the Little Mermaid, we have gadgets and gizmos aplenty. (laughs) So let's discuss some of our favorite baking tools. And we are going to discuss a dessert that we made using a kitchen gadget. Yes. Um, Do you like that little, (laughs) that little, little mermaid reference that I made sure to include in there? Yes. (laughs) I thought that was perfect. I have been singing that song nonstop. Like, well, not really singing. I don't really sing. I was like humming and saying the lyrics that i do remember thinking about this episode because that's the the title of this episode and so it gets stuck in your head i was like we got a shout out to the little mermaid somewhere in here yeah i think that's the perfect place for it and once i saw you'd added that into our outline i couldn't stop seeing ariel like try and brush her hair with the <laughs> fork yep yeah, that's the way she uses her favorite kitchen <laughs> gadget like a Yes. I don't know about you, but I don't use any of my kitchen gadgets to style my hair. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. If we're in quarantine for much longer, you might start losing your mind. <laughs> like, yes. Experimenting. So, so outside of aid, what is your most used kitchen or baking gadget? Let's see. I, well, yeah, my kitchen KitchenAid is by far the thing I use the most. I do like my double boiler. I don't know that I use it like a ton, but Yeah, a fair amount. Like I I bake a lot with chocolate, melting chocolate. I love my double boiler. I think I talked about it in the last episode. It's just really good quality and... I mean, I don't have a microwave, as we will discuss later. So like the, you know, intermittent melting of chocolate in the microwave is not an option for me. Um, so the double boiler is right. incredibly useful. And I don't get, you know, I've had those mishaps where I like don't melt the chocolate correctly in the microwave and it gets clumpy. And so, yeah, the double boiler by far has been really useful. And I really like my flower sister. Is that what it's called? A flower sister? I think so. I don't have one of those. So you, you find you use yours a good bit? Um, I actually, I don't use it like a ton, but I really appreciate when I do get to use it. It is like so satisfying when you have like powdered sugar and you want to dust it over something. Like no more will I just kind of toss it with my hand. Like I I have to use it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm over that. <laughs> so what what does your sifter look like? Is it like a sieve or is it like one of those ones that are like a can with a yes? Cake? It's the can with the little handle that you turn. And yeah, so again, I mean, I don't even know if I'm not really talking about like most used. I think I maybe most appreciated tools because <laughs> by far, like the Kitchen Aid is is what I use the most. But in terms of most appreciated, the flour sifter and the double boiler, and then one that I haven't really used but I I need and Raul got for me for Christmas is a, a cake leveler because when we make layered cakes and I try to eyeball like, Oh, cutting the cake, the top off the cake. It's really, Oh tricky. God, it's awful. I never, I just like I make it worse <laughs> when I try to just level it. just just, yes, it, like, it's terrible. Suddenly I have cake pops <laughs> <laughs> instead of a three layer cake. Yeah, it's awful. So that is not one that I have used yet because I haven't made a layer cake since I got it. But that one I can see using a lot because I love making layer cakes and I don't want to keep messing up leveling it. So that one is one for the Yeah, future. you are going to love it. I used to have one until we moved and I lost it. I haven't replaced it. I've been meaning to. I just keep forgetting. Um, but I do miss it. It it does make it a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, it makes a difference. Um, so tell me about yours the ones that you use the most or are most um, valuable to you I really love my mini chopper I think that's what you call it it's black and decker I actually have two of them the other one isn't black and decker but I forget where it is I got it at a yard huh. sale I got both of them in a yard sale for a dollar so it's like the best investment oh, I've wow. ever made. but it's like for chopping or herbs it maybe holds like a cup but it's easy to just rinse it out I don't have to lug out the food processor and I actually forgot when we were making Christmas cookies this year that I had it um, I guess, for moving and all of that. And Alice and I were chopping nuts by hand. <laughs> and Mike walks up and goes, she's about to really hate you. And I said, why is that? And he goes, why aren't you using the mini chopper? And I was like, oh, you are about to really <laughs> hate me. And I pulled out the cabinet and showed it to her. And she goes, yeah, I do. <laughs> that reminds me of that time in college when we decided to make baklava and I told you to get nuts. You were like, do you need, do we need chopped nuts or whole nuts? And I was like, I don't know, just get whole nuts. And then we ended up needing chopped nuts. And then we had to spend like forever chopping the nuts. And we thought that was like. The- and shelling. them <laughs> too. It was awful. You're welcome for that beautiful baking memory. That was terrible. But the baklava was amazing. It was amazing. And they're so expensive too, though, when you buy them shelled and chopped. Pistachios are, I bought a small bag of them recently. And they were $10. Oh, my God. And that was for shelled but whole nuts. So I chopped them myself and saved like two bucks. Yeah. I mean, that's the upside, right? If you don't mind a little bit of extra work and save a little bit of money. Right. And this isn't necessarily a baking tool, but I use my spaghetti measure a lot. What is a spaghetti measure? you need let me know what that is. It's this plastic disc. I think it may have came in a box of spaghetti or something like that. And it has holes cut out for how many people you're serving with your spaghetti. Oh. And you fit the through the hole. And when the hole fills up, that's a serving for one person or two per- people or four or whatever the hole says. So that way you're not over making spaghetti, which apparently is a problem. Because my sister texted me one day. She was like, sent me a picture and was like, I just made enough spaghetti to feed an whole army. And there's just two of us. So I guess the spaghetti industry realized <laughs> this and started making yeah, I had measures. to google it but I also it. and so it's a disc but mine happens to have like a flat side so I hold it up and down and use it like a bench scraper yeah. especially when I've got like, um, frosting in a in a piping bag I can use it to slide the frosting down mm-hmm. the bag multi-purpose tool. I like that this is so bizarre I've never look at I learned something new every time I speak with you last episode I learned about that ruby chocolate i learned about divinity <laughs> oh <procrastinating> 101 <laughs> <laughs> professor rachel um cool okay so is there anything that you think is like the most useless thing that you own so i no longer own two of these things um i used to have a popsicle um, mold but i think it was particular one the way it was the sticks weren't individual like if I took the top off the mold, I had a row of four <laughs> sticks and they weren't separated.
1: <laughs> I got rid of it's that like one. they
0: allowed some um, student of, I don't even know what it would be called. Someone who was like an apprentice. Yes. <laughs> he was like, here you go. Here's my final project for the semester. And it was like <laughs> flawed. <laughs> yes. And then also, and some people are probably going to hate me for this. And I've seen a lot of debate like on the different cooking shows. I've gotten rid of my garlic, mincer, garlic Mm. press. I hate, hate, hate peeling garlic. And they sell it in jars. Peeled, (laughs) chopped, right? And you're like, why not? Yes. So that is my (laughs) splurge. I buy the the whole nuts and chop them. But I do buy the peeled, (laughs) chopped garlic. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you think about it, what's the harm in just buying it prepped already, right? Right. But I guess, you know what it is for me with the garlic is... I feel like a true chef when I'm, like, cutting it up. I don't know what it is about the garlic. Yeah, I can see that. Like, invigorating, like, real chef feeling. Although we ended up getting this little tool that will, like, mince it for you and cut it for you based on, like, what little – the blade type that you put. It's, like, a little box that closes and it has a clear compartment for the garlic to come out in whatever form you want it to. And I thought – I was a little skeptical, but we used it a couple times and it's been kind of cool and it's easy to clean, so – Does it peel Um. Yes. I mean, it's weird. Like, it comes with this little rubber sleeve, and you put the clove of garlic in there, and then you just rub it with, you know, you're, like, rubbing the sleeve with the garlic inside. You rub it back and forth with, like, your thumb and forefinger, and it takes the the peel off. So, I mean, it doesn't do it automatically, but it's easier than what we normally had to do. Right. That may be a gadget I can use. Yeah. I'll send you a picture of it. So, do you have any useless gadgets? Well... One that we got rid of, we ended up getting two of these. I don't even know why. I feel like when we registered for wedding gifts, we just had no idea what we were doing. We, like, put a bunch of stuff on there. (laughs) I was like, we never use this stuff. So we got a salad mixer, and then somehow we acquired a second salad mixer, and we used it, like, two times. So, bye, salad mixer. And the other one that I had that I also got rid of was my cake pop maker, like... I feel like cake pops had like their moment and now I don't really see them anywhere. I feel like I did enjoy it when I made them, but they're just not something that I want. It's not something that a lot of people request. And so I just never used it. So I ended up donating mine. So, you know, fun while it lasted, but not something that I find very useful in general. Right. Yeah. I remember seeing a lot of those come out, like mini donut makers, Mm -hmm. cake pop makers. Yeah. It had its time. Yeah, I never want a big cake. Right? It's just, I think you're just kind of limited in what you can do with them. I mean, you can dip them in something and do little, put sprinkles or little decorations. But in terms of just, you know, anything else, it's not a lot of room for for having fun with them, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd rather have a cupcake or a slice of cake, I think. So... Last time, we decided we were going to make a dessert using a kitchen gadget, and after discovering that you don't currently own a microwave, <laughs> we decided to make something in either a crock pot or Instant Pot, so we're going to talk about that and work in our sweet lows since they are connected to this challenge. Yes, and I think I will go first, and just some background on why we don't have a microwave, which I guess is apparently... <laughs> really weird because anytime we mention it to someone they're like oh my god how could you not have a microwave this was very unintentional microwaves are just something that when we moved to california did not come with the apartments like when we lived in charleston we had one in every place that we lived in and so we never purchased one and then when we moved out here we realized that we didn't have one and then our second place didn't have one either and so (laughs) we kind of just learned to to live without it and we've adjusted nicely i have to say i do miss microwave popcorn but otherwise you know nothing too oh good. have you tried stovetop popcorn no i haven't i feel like i have vague childhood memories of doing it with my family with like the big foil yeah me back. too but yeah that's been years yeah so we had to get a little creative and do a crock pot challenge instead due to my current situation um <laughs> So for my crock pot challenge, I ended up making an apple spice cake, which sounds really good in theory, and, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the batter smelled really good, and it was relatively easy to make in terms of mixing the ingredients. I will say that the recipe that I followed had made it into a bundt cake, but I just didn't do that and made it into just a regular crock pot cake I don't know if that may have affected the outcome of what I got but I have to say that you know speaking of sweet and lows this recipe this whole recipe was really my low for this episode (laughs) Um, (laughs) I first of all the cake ended up tasting really bland and it was just disappointing because you smell it the batter and you're putting all these amazing spices in it thinking it's going to turn out to be one thing and then when we tasted it just did not have much flavor at all so I'm not sure what happened there and then the other thing which is probably the bigger error is that I burned it because I I know I know (laughs) (laughs) it's Um, low and slow I know it's like the saddest thing to have burned I burned it because I was wrapped up in a phone call with my mother about the coronavirus and we were having a back and forth deciding whether or not it's okay for us to be going outside, like at all. (laughs) <laughs> and I was telling her that, yes, of course, we have to go outside for, like, walks. Have, you know, people who have pets have to walk their dogs. And I don't know. She was kind of questioning me on that. Like, I think the orders mean you cannot go outside at all. So we were having a very spirited back and forth trying to figure out. You need out. a plastic bubble. Yes, you do. <laughs> kind of like that movie, uh, Bubble Boy. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Yeah. I think, I don't remember the context of that movie, except he lived in a bubble. Um, The Bubble Bakers. The Bubble Bakers. That's what we're going to be if this (laughs) coronavirus continues. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, so we were talking about that. And so because I was wrapped up in this call with her, I had Raul, who I am not blaming, by the way, for burning the cake. I am just mentioning that I had asked him to take it out (laughs) or, you know, like stop the crock pot and, you know, put a knife in it to check if it was done. And then if it wasn't to keep it going, and I guess he checked it and decided it needed more time, which is fine. It did not need more time. It was like burnt, really burnt. Oh no. But Raoul, <laughs> you were not being blamed. I repeat. You were not You're being not blamed. Not being blamed. Just saying. Just stating the fact I mean, unless you maybe feel that you should be. <laughs> we'll have <laughs> to get his input on this. We'll make a poll just for him to respond to. Raoul, do you think you were responsible? Raoul <laughs> will be blamed. <laughs> So, yeah, it was not great. It was burnt. It was bland. I was not impressed. I will probably not be making it again. I would maybe try other recipes, maybe, but I just don't think crock pot and baking is really, you know, making sense for me. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it would be a tricky endeavor. Yeah, so I tried it. So, So did you pour the batter then just straight into the crock pot pot? No, I lined it with parchment paper and I poured it into that okay. so that it was easy to like pick up. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But you know what? The recipe, when she made the bundt cake, it was like a small bundt pan that she had that was like resting on something. So I don't know if, I mean, maybe that's why it burned because like the cooking time was meant for something that was like elevated in a crock pot. be the possibility. So I, I do admit that I didn't follow the recipe to the tea. So I'm not sure how much of it was my fault. For the rest <laughs> or, For Raoul's fault. Or Raoul's fault. Really, there are many people to blame in this scenario. So, <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> well, and you mentioned it being bland, and I just wanted to say I've had like crockpot meals that came out bland. They went in smelling good, but they came out with no flavor. So I wonder if something like with the longer time, if it like cooks the flavor out of it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, maybe not all foods are meant to be. like that for such a long time because I think you're onto something I do think it diminishes the the quality of the flavor over time for sure time for us to do some investigating into crock pots yeah I'd love to hear if anyone has had success with a crock pot um baking recipe for them to fill us in on how it worked crock pot conspiracy theories (laughs) okay so that was my challenge and my low my lows (laughs) why don't you share yours Rachel okay So I did the Instant Pot and I stressed the tea because I keep wanting to call it an Insta Pot, (laughs) but it has a tea, another tea, two teas. My sister had given me one and when she gave it to me, she gave it to me with a mini cheesecake pan that goes inside. And I'd used the Instant Pot before, but this was my first time using the pan. And it has a trivet that you put down as the base and then you pour in a cup of water to make the water bath. And then the trivet is supposed to elevate the pan out of the water, okay. but when I put my cheesecake in, it didn't look like it was getting wet. But it must have been because it was completely soggy. Oh no! When it was finished. I'd even wrap the pan in tin foil like you would do for a regular cheesecake to keep it from getting wet. So I, yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I guess maybe I need to do, to elevate it a little bit higher. Maybe put some foil underneath it, like a ball of foil, to get it up higher. But I liked that it was really quick. It took about 30 minutes, which was nice. But it looked very crackly. Mm. Um, Like a baked cheesecake might crack. But this one was cracked in multiple places when I opened the Instant Pot. Okay. So I might try it again. But I'm curious, though, about other desserts. Like maybe a cake would do better. I have a six-inch cake pan that I think would fit. um, Yeah. Do you think maybe because cheesecakes are so... The cheesecakes are really delicate already, so they're not really, I don't know, just trying to translate it to a different way of making them. Maybe it just didn't translate because they're so finicky. You know, they're so sensitive. Yeah, they are really sensitive. And I think the Instant Pot kind of is what caused it to crack. I feel like maybe the pressure cooking is kind of steaming it. And so I think that had something to do with it. I don't use my Instant Pot a whole lot in general. Um, I need to start using it more. My sister uses hers a lot and everything she makes looks so good, but I forget about it for one. And it's also a patience thing because even though it might say this dish will cook in 20 minutes, it's going to take 10 minutes to come to pressure before it starts cooking and another 10 minutes to release the steam. Mm, Um, You have to build that time into the overall time. Yeah. Yeah. But the one benefit that I really like is that it is all done in one pan. So if you need to like saute onion and garlic before you pressure cook the meat, you can do that all in the instant pot. Okay. But it is kind of scary. Sadie doesn't like it when the steam shoots out. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll like jump back and look around. Too noisy. Yeah, it's not good to traumatize the dogs with baking and cooking noises. It made me think about when we made macarons for the first time in your apartment in Hartsville, and we were like banging the trays to release the air bubbles. Yeah. Of course, Sadie was like, "Hell's." Is- <laughs> <laughs> now I put her on the deck, and it doesn't bother her. But yeah, she definitely did not like that. <laughs> so that was my low. In case you didn't notice that I had a soggy crust on my cheesecake. What about the overall flavor of the cheesecake? It did taste good. So at least, at least it tasted good. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good thing. And yes. you were saying that you would try not necessarily cheesecakes again, but something, making something else in the InstaPot baking baking. Really yeah, good. I think I would give it one more go to see. Because it is just so quick. That that would be nice if, you know, you have like last minute company or something. I could throw a dessert in there okay. while I'm making dinner and then have both of them ready. If if it would do a small cake, that would yeah. be nice. Yeah, no, that would be good. Yeah, I'm sensing a theme here, Rachel. We did not have great successes the first time around with this. Uh, right. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe if we had done the microwave challenge, it would have. <laughs> <laughs> I do not advocate that. No, it's a bad idea. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now it is time for an update to our 20 and 20 baking list. A reminder to our listeners, our 20 and 20 baking list is a list of baking challenges that Rachel and I compiled together that we want to accomplish. So 20 things that we want to make in the year 2020. And we are, this will be the fourth item that we've made off of our list. And I made one thing and Rachel made something different. So I'll go ahead and talk about what I made for this challenge. I will say originally I had bread on my list um, we talked about this before wanting to get into bread making um, so I thought that I would do that for this episode but it turns out that flour and yeast are really difficult to find right now given <laughs> everything that's going on it sounds like yeah, everybody is making find but- it yeah um, this is the first time that that' really happened besides the toilet paper I know find toilet paper so I couldn't get off my hands on flour so that sort of changed what I was going to make. So instead of making bread, I decided to make croissants because that did not require as much flour or yeast. And I made chocolate filled croissants. And this was something that I had been wanting to make for a really long time, but that I was really nervous about because as you know, Rachel, as we know from experience, French pastries are very technique specific. And so they are very easy to to mess up. And we learned this. Really, when we made macarons for the first time, just learning how specific and particular we had to be with like making sure there were no air bubbles in them and making sure that they were set out the right amount of time and that we were stirring in the ingredients the right way, not like over mixing. And so I knew going in that making croissants was going to be very labor intensive. And I that had always kind of put me off to trying them. But they were on my list. And I'm actually really glad that I tried making them because they turned out so well. So that this is like my sweet of this episode is just the outcome of, of this recipe. I saw your photo. They look fancy. Thank you. I tried to make them look real fancy when I plated them. It's always fun trying to like try out new (laughs) positions with the placement of where you're putting the baked goods. Raul gets really into the photography aspect. So that helps. Oh, cool. Yeah. So in terms of the recipe that I use, (laughs) I've, The one that I followed the most was actually a BuzzFeed recipe from the Tasty subsection. I guess it's like their kitchen and food section of the website. And I was pretty skeptical because BuzzFeed, really, that's what I know them for is those ridiculous personality quizzes where it's like, tell me your Mm -hmm. favorite color and I'll tell you what you ate for breakfast three days ago. It's always like weirdly specific (laughs) quizzes. (laughs) And so I was like, am I really going to follow a croissant recipe from BuzzFeed? I don't know how trustworthy they are. So what I did was that I did follow the BuzzFeed recipe, the tasty recipe, because I like that it had the visuals. The girl did a a very, a very good video with step by step. And what I liked is that she also admitted to all of the errors and mistakes that she made. So in the video, helpful. Yeah, there was like a main video. And then there was like a, another video that gave some background into just sometimes some of the attempts she made that didn't work out because of whatever reason. So you sort of learn from that. And so I used that. But to supplement, I also looked up a what looked to me like a more traditional croissant recipe. And I sort of used a combination of the two to make them. And yeah, I will say that it was very labor intensive. What's difficult about croissants is that you're – laminating so when you're putting the butter into the dough you like are mixing it in but you don't want it to melt you want it to keep cold while you're doing it because that's what makes the end product really flaky nice and flaky and fluffy um and so i'm trying to like make sure i'm like rolling it fast enough so that the butter's not melting. But it's hard because like the dough is really hard to roll. And I was like, slamming my rolling pin on the dough, like making all this noise. And I was freaking out that I'm going to disturb the neighbors. And um, <laughs> what's tricky is that you're like, you know, rolling and folding and putting in the fridge for half an hour, you take it back out you or I think actually it was an hour. Um, And then you take it back out, you do the same thing, you roll it out again, you fold it, you put it back in the fridge. So there's a lot of wait times in terms of keeping it cold. And you're just doing that repeatedly. And so the dough gets really hard to handle because it's like cold. So yeah, I was just like banging and I was trying to I stood on the bench of my dining room table trying to put pressure from above because it was just so hard for me. I lack upper body strength. picture this scene. Raul walks in. What are you doing? The neighbors. That's exactly what happened. He like... Like, it comes in around the corner and he sees me standing and he's like, what is happening? And I was just like, I can't do it. I can't roll it out. So he had to help me. So I guess Raul gets kudos for this recipe, too, because he did help me make sure that it was rolled out appropriately since he had more upper body strength than me. Well, that's appropriate. Uh, He gets not blamed for one recipe and kudos for the other one. So that's pretty even. Ah, look at that balance. (laughs) I was going to say it's the circle of life, but that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a give and take situation here. There you go. Um, yeah. And so I ended up in terms of shape, I ended up making both crescent and rectangle shape. The crescent ones looked really pretty, I think. And I put chocolate in most of them, but I did make a couple without it just to get like a a taste of what it would be like without the chocolate, like a pure taste, I guess. And they tasted so good. We ate them all within two days. (laughs) Um, That's a good thing. Yeah. and And it had a really good flakiness to the pastry. I think it could have been a little flakier, but I think given it being my first time and yeah, just how labor intensive it is. I think the quality of what I got was was good for it being my first attempt. So I would definitely make it again, but probably not until a year from now because it took so much time. <laughs> it took so much it takes a long time. You guys just plan for it taking over the span of two days, pretty much, because you have to let the dose sit overnight. So I also would not recommend. This is not something you want to. Bring to a party, like make it for the first time and commit to bringing to a party or an event like you when you make it for the first time, it's for you because you have to give yourself some wiggle room for some mishaps. And yeah, because it's so they're so tricky to make. Yeah, I would not want anybody depending on me to make that my first time. Not at all. (laughs) Um, And it's interesting. I was I was thinking like you see them fresh croissants like in bakeries all the time. Like, how do they do this? Like, how do they spend so much time prepping and You know, getting it ready to bake to like sell on a daily basis. And I read that some bakeries, as a result of how much time it takes, will use like already prepared dough or frozen dough that they take out because that's just faster in terms of like, you know, turning this thing out on a daily basis. You probably don't have the time to make it like the night before. So I thought that was really interesting to learn. Yeah. So if you do decide to make this an annual thing, I'll come help you. We'll have a puff pastry party. Make a bunch up and freeze it. Oh, I would love that. That'd that be way really you can fun. have croissants whenever you want to without having to have a workout. <laughs> Not a pot pie over here building my arm muscles every time <laughs> I want to make it. <laughs> so yeah, so that was my, my bake. And I want to hear about yours. So before I tell you about mine, I just want to say that I think you would deserve a Paul Hollywood handshake for your effort here. Ooh, that sounds fancy. I don't know what what it is, but I will take it down. (laughs) Uh, Paul Hollywood is a judge on the Great British Bake Off, and his handshakes are few and far between. So it is a coveted, unofficial prize to get a handshake from him. It's his... Stamp of approval, I guess you could say. Ooh, fancy! Well, thank you. I guess I do accept this handshake, probably from a distance though, because I they told us not to <laughs> yes. shake hands, so that's fine. But uh from six feet away, I accept this beautiful handshake prize. I love it. <laughs> so I killed two birds with one stone. Uh, my twenty and twenty bake was actually the cheesecake I made in the instant pot. It was on my list to make a non-cream cheese cheesecake. So I made this one with ricotta and took it to a family gathering. We had a picnic outside and my mom liked it. My brother-in-law loved it. And his favorite dessert is cheesecake. So that's a good sign. That's great. But I just liked it. I thought it was good, but it was almost like eating sweetened cheese. It didn't remind me of dessert. Like I ate my piece and was like, okay, now what are we having for dessert? hmm you were not too big of a fan of the flavor right but I did like um this is my high and I hadn't had this before at least not that I'd made it had me finish cooking the cheesecake cool it and then spread a topping of sweetened sour cream on top and then put it back in the oven to set so I put it yeah so I took it out of instant pot and then put it in the oven once it had this topping on it Okay. And I love that topping and it covered up all the cracks. So it made it really, really pretty and white on top. And I would use the topping again on another cheesecake. Okay. So that's good. I mean, there was at least something that you would reuse. What do you think about Yeah I'm curious What about the ricotta Was like off You said it tasted Like sweetened cheese So was it like bland Or It just wasn't very sweet But I also thought The ricotta was kind of grainy I might Mm. ask And nobody else Said they thought it was I don't know If they were just being nice Or they were afraid To tell me Or or what (laughs) I actually made ricotta When we lived In South Carolina We can't buy Raw milk in North Carolina For human consumption So I haven't made it Since we've moved But I don't remember the ricotta that I made being as grainy as this was. Okay. So maybe there was the texture off to it too. But you know what? Even though it wasn't what you would have preferred as your outcome, it did taste good, right? At least it tasted. Good. <laughs> it did. Everyone was pretty happy with it. So yes, at least it tasted good. You should have um t shirts made up. Yes, for sure. Eventually we need to start. <laughs> Producing least, like, hats and t-shirts and spatulas with our catchphrase. <laughs> <plates. laughs> I love it. Raise your hand if you want a spatula. <laughs> At least it tastes good. But. The last note on my cheesecake is I vaguely remember having a cheesecake that had mascarpone and cream cheese. So I wonder if I did mascarpone and ricotta, if that would like smooth it out a little bit or if the ricotta would just make it grainy and I should just stick with what I had before the mascarpone and the cream cheese. Mm. Mascarpone is good. Yes, I love it. So it sounds like you would be willing to try this again you think maybe yeah i still want to try um to nail that cheesecake without cream cheese so i'm gonna try something again i don't know if it's gonna be a ricotta based or maybe it'll just be a full marscapone cheesecake maybe that would work yeah so uh, cheesecake has not officially been checked off the list then because it's still a a hunt for the the perfect one yes okay All right listeners so just a reminder that uh, we would love for you to share your pictures of your strawberry baking challenges that's what we'll be discussing in our next episode so if you decide to make uh, a strawberry bake please feel free to share your pictures on social media and add the hashtag baking so that we can see what you guys have made yes and I'm extra excited to do that now that I know that strawberries are your favorite fruit to bake with <laughs> yes they are they are amazing. So I am really looking forward to this next episode time for us to wrap up this batch of procrastinating, baking and we hope we've provided food for thought and inspiration for your next procrastinating baking project as always the links and photos discussed in this episode will be listed on our website procrasti in the show notes Procrastinate with us on facebook and instagram while we wait for our next episode to rise thank you for joining us today i'm louisa gonzalez and i'm rachel rhodes until next time stay sweet this has been procrastinating. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a good review. You can also subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many more. You can also subscribe to our RSS feed directly from our website at ProcrastiBakingPodcast.com. Also, feel free to follow us and give us your feedback on social media, on Instagram at ProcrastiBakingPodcast and Facebook at Facebook.com slash ProcrastiBakingPodcast. If you'd like to share your ProcrastiBaking stories and pictures with us, you can send an email to procrastinabaking at yahoo.com. Procrastinaking is hosted and created by Rachel Rhodes and Luisa Gonzalez. Produced and edited by Raul Ceballos, with music by Alex Walker Smith and show artwork by Rob Demers.